welcome back. This is Terrence Reardon, and welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Welcome back. This is my show now, and those assholes, the spick and the mick, were unbearable to deal with. The dreams have all changed since you hung around, but those dreams have remained and they've turned around. So now I take over. So get a beverage, grab some food, pull up a chair, and sit back and hear me school your asses and listen to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. And you better like it, you son of a bitch. Hey, Schmackamagab, everybody. Dr. Fuck here without Ian. Just doing a little intro to the episode that we did last week which is so long, and there's a lot more to go, so I'll cut it up in two parts. And without further ado, here is myself, Ian Wadley, Edwin Canastracci, Ryan T. Russell, and luscious Johnny Vogan. Let's continue the top 25 Motley Crue songs. All right, but uh, so we'll go to 14, Ian. Don't go away mad. Oh, shit, I actually do like this song. Oh, uh yeah I, I i think this is a really really standout track for these guys I uh, but you, you know th- th- this is uh this is the opposite of the the van halen episode where i'm crying about songs i couldn't put in and on motley crew i'm crying about songs i did put in um <laughs> but uh no i really like this song i think it's different for, from them uh, I think it stands the test of time, and I still, uh, I don't mind hearing this one. I don't have a burnout factor. I think it's a well-written song, and it doesn't sound like Motley Crue, and that's probably why I dig it so much. But I, I do really love this track. Ain't gonna lie. I was, I was, I was wanting to shit on these guys again, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> damn, I like this song. Where did I put this on my list, by the way? Seven. Yeah, there you go. Oh. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Top ten. I'll hand it off to somebody else who had it very high at fourteen, Johnny. Well, as Sinkin Stanley would say, guess what, motherfuckers? I love this fucking song. I mean, this this song is a perfect fucking song. I can't believe my this. It's so. I almost can't even believe Miley Crew wrote this fucking song. <laughs> I mean, it's I just can't. a perfect. It's a perfect. <laughs> it's. A, it's a perfect pop song, and it conjures up for me. This is a magical fucking time in the '90s. I mean, and and, and the, the video was unbelievable. So when Vince busts in the studio at the <laughs> end, oh, and they just start rocking out. It's unbelievable, man. I fucking love that shit. I just love it, man. It, it was magical because Motley Crue could put out an album and poof, people would buy it. Oh, man, yeah. Vince, Vince, the, the broad calls Vince on the phone. He, he's so pissed. He throws the phone. <laughs> he's all hungover and dejected and, and, and just pissed in the video. Oh, man, just great video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vince Neil throws the phone because a chick called him and he runs to the fucking boys. That's what this fucking, this fucking song sucks. What the, I mean, seriously, this is fucking terrible. This is like them attempting to do a bad company song, but worse. This is fucking shit. I never liked this fucking song. It's stupid as fuck. And, uh, I, I'm going to have an aneurysm if I keep talking about this shit song. So I'll pass it to the next person. Uh, song Go Away. 
I'll take I'll take it next. This was one of only two songs I had from Doctor Feelgood on the list. Uh, I had it at twenty five. Um, I like wow. it. To me, it, it, it's it's a good FM radio hit song. It, it's, Why it's- the fuck am I on this show? <laughs> <laughs> And I will say this, this is one of the only songs where they actually feature Nikki's bass. The bass is actually a lot of... Well, the, are you kidding me? Oh it's my actually God. a lot of the melody of this song, and it's actually part of what I like about this song. It, 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 it's a song that doesn't even sound like a Motley Cruz song, but I, I just like it for its kind of like, kind of catchy FM radio hit. Sound. We gotta check. We gotta check the personnel and see if Bob Rock didn't play the bass on this one. Yeah, I know it's not being true. I'm a little suspicious. <laughs> it's yeah, very, it, very it, it features Nikki Six's bass, but it's not him playing. They just put a mic up to the bass. <laughs> he got a copyright. If you use his bass, you know, it's copyrighted, Nikki. Edwin, you what? What do you? You had it uh, pretty high on your list too. You added number eight. Yeah, sorry, Ralph. I'm sorry. I'm with all the other dipshits here. I think it's one of their best songs. Uh, uh, I'm, I, I, I want to apologize to all of you because you can't suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's funny, though, because you guys, Johnny and Ian, too, and Ryan, you all hit upon this thing. Because uh, I was thinking the same thing. We all think it's one of their best songs. But doesn't it say something about Motley Crue that we all think there's something odd about it because we're, like, surprised that they wrote a song so good? <laughs> Well, yeah, that goes for all the songs I put on my list as well. I'm surprised like, these songs. Like, like, because there's actual, like, changes in the song. It has that whole second part. It's, like, arranged well. It's kind of more like a Guns N' Roses song or, like, a Cheap Trick song. Yeah, like like My World. Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's like, there's different parts and there's melodies. And it's just, like, I, I love this song. And I think it's a great, like, uh, it's just a great pop rock song. And I'm, like, like, like how did my, like... Did Molly Crew really write this song? I'm a little suspicious. I feel yes, like they I did. Someone Trust had me, to help. It. I, to me, it's actually, and I'm surprised you hate it so much, Raph, because I know you love like Cheap Trick. To me, this like it's a great power pop song. It's All just, right, you, you stop smoking meth. I'm just saying. <laughs> to me, this is like just a great power pop song, and it's got great melodies and core. It's it's one of their best. Songs. It's a. I'm a little list. surprised. I'm a little surprised you hate this song. I would think you'd dig it. But anyway. I'm a little surprised you thought I didn't hate this song. (laughs) No, no. I think, think, hey, Ralph would dig the song. It's got a really nice melody. Here's here's (laughs) one while while we're talking about Nikki Six. One of my favorite Nikki Six stories. And unlike his uh, heroin diaries, this is true. (laughs) He he called up Bruce Kulik after, uh, you know, Kiss got back together for the reunion. And he calls up Bruce Kulik and goes, those fucking Jews, how could they do this to you? Not knowing that Bruce Kulik is a Jew. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a true story. That shit fucking happened. I loved it. That's Terrence's favorite uh, Nikki Six story, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, on to number 13. and I'll Don't, let... Wait a minute. We're not even at the top 10 yet. Holy no. shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ian's gonna be, uh, let him start this one. He had it very high on the list. He had "Don't Go Away, Matt" at seven, and he had this one at six. And this is the third entry from 1994, and it is the lead single from the album "Hooligans Holiday." Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and this this was a hard one not to put it even even higher. 
because um, man, this this was a really fucked up time in metal. Uh, you know, it definitely fell out of flavor. Uh, you know, the the glam shit had, had killed hard rock. Uh, and then you had you know Bruce leaving Maiden. You had Halford leaving Priest, and 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 then. You know, Motley Crue, as shitty as they are, god damn it, they need Vince. Like, they got this new singer. And then when I heard he was the dude from the Scream, I was like, man, I remember seeing one of their videos on Headbangers Ball, and it was fucking horrible. Horrible. I'm like, that's who they picked to replace, you know, the vocal stylings of Vince Neil? Um, but when I heard this song, I was like, oh, shit, I'm totally on board. Totally on board. I fucking loved it. I loved having the uh, the second guitar because it, it definitely beefs up Mick. And that's probably the greatest attribute to uh, the 94 album besides Tommy's drum sound, which I will admit as much as I'm a Tommy hater, he sounds great on that. But having that extra guitar and uh, Karabi sounds angry and pissed off and, and they just wrote a great song that that fell on deaf ears. I, I mean, a lot of people I knew that like Motley Crue didn't care for it. And, uh, but I loved it from the get go. One of the best tracks they ever wrote. And I, I can't wait to hear Johnny Bogan tell me why I'm, why I'm wrong. But, uh, Hooligan's holiday, fucking amazing track. <clears throat> yeah. Well, um, so I'll go next. Then, since he's chose- I'm going to pass on it. I want to take a minute. This is great. This is special. I'm so happy we're all sitting here doing this. I mean, just just want to take a minute to say that. I love the podcast so much. A little something was missing for me without it. So I'm really glad that all of us are here doing this. I'm going to take the high road on Hooligan's Holiday now and just pass it off to the next person. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. I'll give it to I like I like that, Johnny, by the way. <laughs> Uh, very, like very diplomatic of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll yeah, get you get the pussy, pussy of the night award. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give it to Edwin. Uh, well, you know, I'm not as big of a fan of 94 as you guys. I don't hate it quite as much as Johnny. Uh, but this song, this song's great. I do love this song. This is easily the best song on this album, in my opinion. And... It, it manages to, it's one of the few songs that to me does sound like a Motley Crue song while updating the sound. And that's the thing. It still is kind of sleazy and fun and not very mid-90s in terms of like the themes and the lyrics and stuff, but the production maybe. But it, it's it's great. You know, I think, I think it might have been even better if Vince was singing on it. But regardless, it's a great song. It's catchy, it's fun, it's sleazy. Best song on the album, in my opinion. And it did. It, it made my top 30, I know that. I don't know exactly where it was. But I do I do really love this song. It's a great song. I got to jump back in real quick. And I, I don't okay. need to prolong this torture for everyone. But <laughs> I, I don't hate Motley Crue 94, really. I hate Generation Swine. And I hate Saints of Los Angeles. Yeah. I just have no connection with the album. I can't get into it. It's just... You know, well, what, what, I, I, it's terrible. But. Could I just say, just Johnny, if Vince, like, let's say Primal Scream, Vince was singing on this track, what would you think of it? I don't know, because I hate Vince singing a Generation Swine. And... Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying this song, 
Primal Scream sounding, Vince, what would you think of this track? I probably would like it more. Yeah, it would be awesome. I probably would like it more. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's all I got. Okay. Ralph. (laughs) All right, uh, well, before I go into what I think of Hooligan's Holiday, a big fuck you to Johnny Bogan. Alright, Hooligan Holiday goes to, uh, is my 15 on the album. Not my favorite. My, let me overlook my list. It's, I think it's like my third favorite off the album. Yeah, it's the first thing I heard, and Johnny, I was kidding, okay? I got you. You're good. I, I just want, I just tried to make a funny, and I failed miserably. No, you did. Good. Yeah. It was a single. It was a single, not a home run. You hit a single. Yeah, but they got me out on first base. But, um, but... I gotta say, man, this song, yeah, it was the first thing I heard. I, the first thing I thought was, whoa, this shit is unique. And yeah, it, it, the drums really like stood out because they gave the video before the album came out. And I was like, oh, fuck, dude, this song's good. But I was also thinking, yeah, but Dr. Feelgood was good too when I bought it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I thought that song was good. So maybe I hope this ain't no Dr. Feelgood repeat. And I was happy that it wasn't. Um, I love it. I actually love, 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 and I love the video, the whole Clockwork Orange thing, and uh, and where Tommy and Nikki are in the alleyway, like like doo-wop guys, hippies. Yes. I think it's fucking unique with the big rings, and it just it just looks such a a badass video, a very unique video, and uh, you know, and really hard to believe, a little avant-garde, a little bit for Molly Crew. And uh, it's a great song and a great video to accompany, uh, accompany it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I, mean, I had some of the notes I had written down. It's funny when, Ralph, when me and you like are like a song, it's the same exact things that we that, that we note. Um, the video is one of the things that I noticed. I said right off the top, I think that video is one of the coolest videos in the entire decade of the 90s. Yep. I love Clockwork Orange, first of all. So that whole vibe of the Clockwork Orange, a lot of people didn't even catch what you were talking about. But, uh, he loves but that. Once, Nick loves that once, album. Once again, Tommy, they, loves, Tommy Lee loves that album, too, yep, man. He does, yeah. Nick Mars loves that album. Once again, they dress up like 50s greasers to rip off Aerosmith from the lightning strike. <laughs> yes. That's oh. right there, yeah, yeah. Did you see recently, I mean, back there. a couple months ago, a couple months ago, Tommy gave an interview and said, well, we, we tried to get Vince to, to sing it, but it just it didn't work out. It didn't work out. <laughs> Couldn't sing it. Not at all. Can't sing his own shit anymore. But, but that, I mean, the song is absolutely amazing. And I, I had the same reaction when I, when I saw it. You know, I was down on crew. I did, did not like Dr. Feelgood that much. And I, I didn't even know what to think about them getting a new singer. I wasn't really all that excited about it. I, I was, you know, I, I heard a little bit of the scream. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I just thought it was eh. I put this up there I, top, like, five drum tracks of all time. Um, yeah. Actually, Decibel Geek did a really cool thing where they did a interview with with Karabi, where they went song by great episode, incredible episode, and Karabi tells a great story where he talks about Bob Rock was just pushing Tommy on this particular song, and that he said like, just let it go. I give me everything you fucking got. Just let it go. And when they were done with the track, it was the track that ended up on the album, and Bob Rock said through his headphone you know on the speaker he said dude that might be the best drum track i've ever recorded well, um, what a lot of a lot of people don't know when they recorded this 
they put pictures of Heather Locklear on the drum heads. <laughs> so he hit that shit extra hard. But <laughs> damn, I mean the, the drums on this song are just fucking killer. Well, uh, let's hope let's hope for the the tour this summer. They put pictures of his sons on his drum heads for this this next one. So that that was actually my number two overall uh, Motley Crue song. Dude, that shit was wow. hilarious, man! I can't believe I'm the only one that laughed at that Johnny line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we will go on to number twelve. This was my number one. And the reason oh. my number one is this was kind of the song that got me into the crew. Uh, when Shout came out, I had seen uh, the Looks the Kill video, but I didn't love it. I just thought it was okay. I thought it was kind of a kiss ripoff, the way their look was and everything. I wasn't that into it. But then I saw the Too Fast, the, the Too Young to Fall in Love video. I mean, that song... A lot of why it's number one is sentimental, just, you know, when I discovered and everything. But I just think to this day, that song is a fucking killer metal song. It's just that simple drum open, but God, the sound and the production of that drum uh, to open up that song. The video, again, was so cool. I, I watched that like I was watching like a superhero movie or something like that at the time. It was just so cool that, you know, a kid who was, you know, 11 12 years old uh, i just thought it was the, they looked cool i love the look i love the vibe um just badass it, it was it was so fucking cool to me and that song is just kind of the perfect persona of what made shout such a fucking great album but uh a- absolutely love it uh, my favorite crew song of all time uh vogan what do you think about too young to fall in love oh my god i fucking i fucking absolutely love that song it it it, it it's mid-tier shout song for me, but the video is the greatest fucking Motley Crue video of all time. It's just amazing. And, and I can't even believe they made a video like that back in the day. And then if you compare it now to, like, the, we talked about the Dr. Feelgood. You guys talked about how cheesy the the drug dealer, you know, that that whole Asian gang, that, that thing was fucking dope, man. I mean, that video was so awesome. I mean, it was so theatrical fucking amazing man i love i love it and i love the song too fucking killer ralph yeah i love it number 22 on my list uh yeah the video is awesome i like how everybody's kicking ass and like nick mars just like does like a little half kick (laughs) (laughs) the solo rips that's a ripping solo i love when nick mars rips like that it reminds me of some of those solos on uh, too, young, uh, too Fast for Love. I love it. It's a great fucking song. Too Young to Fall in Love. And, you know, I thought it was a wise choice to have it as a single. It was a pre, uh, you know, PC days, you know, where you could sing about, not a woman, but a whore. I can taste the hate. You know, now I'm killing you. Watch your face turning blue. Which, that line right there made the PMRC list. You make the PMRC list, you rule, man. The mentors made the PMRC list. So I, that, I, that right there makes this song awesome to me. I love some of his lyrics on those first two albums. After that, I don't. I have no idea what happened. Especially on Knock 'Em Dead. Oh, well, maybe that's coming up. Maybe. Ian, what do you think about Too, too Young to Fall in Love? Oh, fuck, I love it. Where? I mean, where was it on my list? I know it had to be high. Eight. Yeah, I, I fucking love this shit, and 
you know, I hate to rip off fucking the Terrence and Friends podcast, but, you know, <laughs> I, I concur when um, when Tommy Lee throws the rice at that chink bastard. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was like, yeah, this video rules. <laughs> Fuck them motherfuckers and their Hong Kong all kidding aside, when I was like 12 years old watching that video, I thought that was the coolest fucking thing in the world. Oh, I yeah. still think it is. <laughs> Bogan yeah. still thinks it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and that's why they're depicted that way in the fucking Dr. Seuss book, because they're the fucking enemy. Those fucking <laughs> slanty-eyed bastards. Uh, you can blindfold them with dental floss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I, I'm paraphrasing from what Terrence said, but uh, you get the gist. Uh, and, great and, song. And, and Andrew Jacob White gets the gist. Oh! <laughs> Love it. That's it. Edwin. Uh, great song. Actually, not one of my favorites from the album, but this is like wow. easily their best album, so I still think it's one of their better songs. I do like it a lot. Good song. Great video, reminded me of like uh, Big Trouble in Little China, one of my favorite films. Cool, you know, it, it, it's a really good song. Uh, there's probably just about five songs from this album I like even better, but it's a really good song. It's catchy, made sense as a single. I like it. You guys all kind of said what needed to be said about it, but yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a very good song. Yeah, let's do it. Move on. All right, Ian, I'm going to let you start the next one. You had this very high. You had this at number five. And, and uh, this is not an, a off of any of their studio albums. This was off the first greatest hits album, Decade of Decadence, Prime Scream. Yeah, the, what a fucking awesome track. And, and, you know, coming off the half-ass album that was Dr. Feelgood, uh, you know, one of those albums I, I bought on the first, I remember I bought uh, Doctor Feelgood and Stones uh, Steel Wheels on the same day. But Doctor Feelgood was something I listened to like a lot the first week, and I'm like, mm. you know. And and as they just release more singles, I'm like, ah, fucking mouth through. And then you hear Primal Scream, and and I don't know who Nikki let play bass on that song, but what a riff. Bob Doll, hi Bob Rock, yeah. Did Bob Rock play on like Saint Anger? Like he can play some bass, I think. So it probably wasn't. He he, he actually the true story. He played bass on Time for Change. Oh. Well. Uh, I, 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 think, <laughs> I, I think Ralph's right. I, I think it was Bobby Dahl because I picture him playing that, and doing the backwards uh, Chuck Berry dance he does. <laughs> but uh, no, what a kick-ass song. Um, a precursor to what they would do with '94. Uh, but man, if, if, if they could have done that with Vince, cause it, you know, it's a heavier song and Vince does awesome on primal yeah. screen. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, that, that gave me a lot of hope and I almost went out and bought the album and then I heard their cover of fucking Anarchy in the UK. I was like, nope, nah, I'm good. Uh, the worst primal of all time. Yeah. Primal scream though. Definitely a fucking standout track. Love it. All right. Um, Ryan went to go take a piss. Yeah, it made my top 10 at number 10. Um, and uh, I did run out and bought Decade of Decadence because, all oh, this kicks ass. And then I put on all those other new songs. It was like, oh, shit, this is Dr. Feelgood all over again. Angela, 
rockandroll.org, the rock and roll gypsy, rock and roll gypsy. Oh, god damn, man. I mean, such color fucking music by numbers at the time. You know, Nikki Six is at the time was like, yeah, you know, like, uh, I don't want to be lumped into these other bands like Poison and stuff, Warren. And then they release like rock and roll junkie. You know, it's like, give me a break, man. Uh, but Primal Scream is awesome. It's an, uh, a very dark video. And yes, Vince sounds amazing on it. And uh, it is like, I think it was Ian that said it, precursor to 94. It has that heaviness of 94. Bob Rock did this as well, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. So it has that, you know, sound. It, Primal Scream right there is the blueprint of 94. I know when they went in to do that album, they're like, let's do something like Primal Scream all over this fucking album. Uh, the drums are vicious on it. Bobby Dahl is vicious on it. I, like <laughs> I dug it, man. It's my, it, it's my number 10. I like the song. I don't, I don't love it as, most, as much as most people do, but I definitely agree that um, with what Ralph was just saying about this, that kind of led to what direction they were going to go with 94. So I, I, I do always look at the song as kind of uh, what led to 94. And I think that's what, what they wanted to be doing a little bit more of at that time. But I, had, I don't love the song. I had it at, uh, added a 35, but uh, I dig it. Oh, I also want to add, they played this song at Donington. They did like a European thing. Uh, and uh, backstage, they interviewed Vince, and it was the first time they ever played Primal Scream. He's like, ah, so, you know, playing that live. And, and Vince was like, yeah, we'll never play that again. Vince didn't like it back then. He probably pretends he likes it now. But back then, during that era, they asked him backstage, and he's like, yeah, that won't be on the set list anymore. So he wasn't really into Primal Scream. Well, he likes it now because the audience can do the chorus. Well, he's in they... Motley Crue, Johnny. It's the law. You have to be a bullshitter to be in Motley Crue. <laughs> I mean, I, I love the song. I think it's tremendous. But, I mean, Ralph and Ian pretty much talked about everything there is to say. I, I will say just one quick point to Decade of Decadence. I think it's a mixed bag, but I know Ralph and I have talked about this before. The Live Wire remix on oh, that album. and, and, and uh, what's the other one? They're both great. Home uh, Sweet they Home. Did home, they did Home Peace Sweet Home. Action. Yeah. Yeah. Peace oh, Your Home Action. Sweet Home was horrible. Yeah, that, that remix is not as good as the original. They also oh, yeah. remixed Peace Your Action, and, and, and that's good too, but I, I, the Livewire one is really tremendous. Edwin. Uh, to say uh, a lot what uh, Ralph and Ian said, I, I love this song. I think it's one of their best songs. I think it's Vince's best vocal performances. So it's kind of sad that he didn't himself see that at the time. I think it's just because he hated Motley Crue at the time and they hated him, so they were having their issues. But I would say, like, yeah, it sets up 94, and this is why I said, like, listen, nothing against Karabi and all that, but I feel like if you got Primal Scream era Vince Neil singing, and to me, because I, I like, uh, you know, Exposed more than 94, although I do like both albums. But I like Exposed better. I feel I'm with you, you on that. I feel if you took the best songs from Exposed and you took the, took the best songs from 94 and you combined them together with Vince singing, like Primal Scream sounding Vince Neil, that easily for me would be like the, their second best album after Shadow of the Devil. Like I feel Vince like, Neil oh, is Motley Crue. 
The other three hate that music. Yeah, Vince they don't really it. love it. That's the thing. It's more legit with Vince. He really loves that shit. He loves rock and roll and banging chicks and the Sunset Strip. That's he what loves, he's about. He loves first band on the moon. I mean, he lives it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where it, it, The other guys are all kind of ashamed of it. And that's the thing. Like, 94 to me sounds like an, a band that's ashamed of what they were. Oh, Whereas, of course. Yeah. Whereas, Expo, you know, with Exposed, it's like he's evolving his sound a bit, but it doesn't sound like he's ashamed of the 80s. If Exposed was released in 88, it would have been huge. Yeah. yeah. It's great. And there's really great songs on it. I really like that album a lot. It's and better than Girls, Girls, Girls. That's for oh, sure. yeah. It's easily better. Well, I, I, I got to say, though, I love the album, but Vince did really evolve the sound. I mean, Steve Stevens and Jack Blades just wrote some fucking songs, and Vince went in there and sang. Well, it's it a lot different than Molly Crew. They wrote yeah. songs too. I know, I know. And Steve Stevens right. is a great guitar, so it, it worked. Yeah, it uh, worked. It definitely yeah. worked. You know, true story. Uh, the 94 album was originally titled You're Invited, But Johnny Bogan Can't Come. <laughs> I didn't go. <laughs> and that's why Johnny hates it. Are, are we finally at number uh, at the top 10? We yeah, are. Yeah. Oh, oh, and a couple things will come with that, as as I did in the Van Handel episode. I'm moving from beer to bourbon. So by the wait, time. Wait, you're going from beer to bourbon? It, 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 by the time we're at number one, I might not remember. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, that's I, like I moving from Motley Crue to a good band. Holy shit. <laughs> I, I'm, well, I'm moving from, from crack to meth because of this shit. <laughs> one thing I wanted to mention, and uh, you guys mentioned Exposed, and it, 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 I, I think we would be remiss if we did not at least touch on this. I was thinking about this when I was going through this. I, I was into Kiss and Crew right at the same time. I, I mean, I was into Kiss much earlier, but I was still heavily into to Kiss when. Oh my God! When I got into Crew, yes. and and I remember specifically within a year of each other, the Kiss Exposed VHS came out, and the Motley Crew Uncensored came out and that was kind of like a beginning of like it was remember this is before like vh1 you know rockumentaries and and behind the music and everything those were kind of the original of that and i just remember at that time those two videos got me again got to take into into context here how old i was but like they were so canned so contrived so fake and everything but a 12 13 year old kid watching that shit i fucking ate it up and loved it you know vince in a fucking limousine with a hot tub in the back with a bunch of you know chicks (laughs) and everything and i you know that was awesome and the same thing with the stupid you know uh Paul Stanley laying in bed with like six girls paul Paul should have had a bunch of dudes laying in bed with him first of all fuck him (laughs) <laughs> you know, you know that 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 mansion was not Paul Stanley's mansion. That's actually rented. They yeah, rented the place. Like yeah. Paul Stanley didn't live there. Gene Simmons didn't live with Paul Stanley in the mansion. But still, more accurate than the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he rented the women too. Yeah, they had women on plaques on the wall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And Nikki Six wrote a diary on heroin. Okay, I get it. <laughs> and something you all don't know. Uh, that scene of Paul Stanley in bed with all those chicks, they actually superimposed Paul Stanley. It was actually Vince Neil. 
Yeah, I, I will agree that Vince is at least the most unapologetic, just I am what I am kind of guy. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't care. He's from fucking Compton. Yeah, yeah. Straight yeah. out of Compton, that guy. Yeah. If I wasn't in Motley Crue, I'd be getting you your beach chairs. Vince Neil. That's a quote. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. The greatest thing Vince Neil ever did was break up Hanoi Rocks. True story. Oh, <laughs> oh, too soon. I like oh, that. great. That's great. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to kick off the top ten with uh, Edwin had this had this very high. Uh, you're number three overall, Ooh. and if you're paying attention on what songs have already gone by and what haven't, you're probably going to notice a trend going through the top ten. It's going to be all like half shot of the devil now. <laughs> Maybe a little more than half. Okay. Uh, Edwin, you kick this one off. This is the first single off that album. The first video <laughs> off that album, Looks That Kill. Looks That Kill is only 10? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. This is one of their best songs. It's fucking sleazy and awesome. The fucking tone. I mean, you know, anything that Motley Crue ever did good, they did good in this song. I mean, to me, and this is their best video. I think it's even better than the other one, uh, yeah, the Too Young to Fall in Love. I know it's a little slicker, but this is sleazy, grimy. They got like the slut ranch going on there. Uh, it's fucking awesome. Uh, I love this song. Uh, I love the guitar tone, the chorus. It's mean sounding. It's it's like if Motley Crue just kept... I don't know why they didn't just keep making albums that sounded like this for at least a few years, because it was awesome. And this is one of their best songs. I love it. Ian, I'm so excited to finally hand you some songs that you like. What do you think? What do you think about Looks That Kill? Oh, good. We're finding the top three. Thank God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my top three, anyway. Uh, uh, great fucking song. You know, this is. You know, I. This is the type of shit where. I can almost see doing a Motley Crue episode because it's just, it's so good. Anytime you talk about anything on on Shout of the Devil, other than Danger, in my opinion, like, yeah, totally justified, great fucking, you know, hard rock and heavy metal. And if, if the rest of this list isn't filled with fucking Shout of the Devil songs, there's something seriously fucking wrong. But, uh, again... This band is so easy to goof on, but then at the same time, if you put on this album, it's so easy to say, fuck, that's a great album, you know, and it's just, I don't know who wrote this, <laughs> you know, because how come they never sounded like this again? Even, yeah. even 94, when people say, oh, it's a great album, but it still, it sounds nothing like Shout at the Devil. They have nothing else in their catalog that is this solid uh this raw and and perfect at the same time i mean yeah this is a killer track this, this is this alone justifies talking about this half ass band love it <laughs> bogan tremendous song tremendous riff i mean great video I mean, it, it, and I love this fucking song, and it's probably my fifth favorite song on the fucking album. And that's how great that album is. I mean, I, I just think it's absolutely tremendous. Um, man, do I love this song. Um, and, and, and as to speak to, I mean, why they never sounded like this, because I don't think they knew what the fuck they were doing. 
when they made their first two records, I mean, it was just, I, I think they were just going with the flow and doing whatever. And then, you know, Tom Werman said, you, you got no hits on Shout. I mean, you, you got some, I mean, they had some uh, buildup of a fan base and, and, and they played the Us Festival and, and they got somewhere. And then all of a sudden it was like, Nicky didn't even know how to play the fucking bass. So how's he going to say no? He didn't know what the fuck he was doing. So, you know, the rest is history. But, yeah, I love this song. Love this album. Talk more about it. Looks the kill, you know, I mean, it, it kind of made that staple for them. It, it put them on the map. Um, but, again, I, I, it's it nonstop just saying, like, God damn, why couldn't they have done, like, even one more album that was just, like, in that vein? And well, not, not to prolong things but i mean you see this with some bands where i mean really the the songs from too fast and shout they had people talk about this all the time they had years to work on those songs fucking years and then theater of pain you got a month give me what you got yep no yeah but it's still a pretty big drop off and i gotta say we, we we all bust on kiss sometimes but to give kiss credit like, like Dress to Kill, like where they only had a, like a, a, what, a fucking couple weeks to work on that album after the first two. That's oh my much, god, that album <laughs> much, <laughs> much better than Theater of Pain. And I like Theater of Pain, but to me there's a big drop-off. That almost sounds like that should be the fourth or fifth album after Shout of the Devil. Like, it sounds like there should be at least a few albums that are somewhere between. in between the quality, you know? Right. Well, uh, <laughs> Motley Crue had a long time in between fucking uh, New Tattoo and Saints of Los Angeles, and look what came out. And then between Saints of Los Angeles and those songs on the dirt, so. Well, Motley Crue didn't write any songs on Saints of Los Angeles. They just didn't even didn't even fucking try. They just get, they had the other guys write them. Six a.m. Six a.m. wrote them songs. <laughs> Awesome. But, but it, it, it's a pretty big fucking drop off. That's all I can say. Yeah. Oh, it, it, is. Uh, it, it is. You know, because all the other bands, like you know, Def Lapper and all, you know, from that era, the, the drop off was a little more gradual. And even though I think we all agree, like Hysteria is not like you know, it's it's a it's a it's this kind of th- pop oh album. Oh my god, Peter Payne is goddamn physical graffiti again, fucking. No, hysteria. no, no. But but Hysteria to me still sounds like it sounds like that band from. You know, Pyromania, but selling out and changing their sound to to get in the top twenty. But it still sounds like those songwriters. Like whereas, I don't know. It's just like I don't. It I don't even hear the songwriting that Nikki Six is doing on Shadow Devil on their other albums. It just sounds like yeah, it's like who the fuck's writing these songs? <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like Hysteria sounds like a pussified version of Pyromania. Like I can kind of hear it. Whereas Motley Crue, I don't even hear what Nicky, like, who is this guy? Who's writing these yeah. songs? But but nine out of ten Motley Crue fans say Hysteria sounds like 70s Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, what, what do you think about... Uh... Looks the Kill? Yes. Well, before I go into that, I want to, like, um, I want to say something about what Ian said about the best thing Vince did was, like, uh, break up Hanoia Rocks. Um, I disagree. I think he did something even better that night. He made he made two healthy people paraplegics. Oh. What? 
come on, those people don't have a leg to stand on, and you're picking on them. I'm not picking. Hey, am I picking on them? <laughs> Did you know? Before Vince hit them, they were jamming to three lock box. Ah, <laughs> oh. oh, fuck them. They had it coming. That's yep. right. <laughs> That's the best thing they did that night. One, Too two, soon. Lock box. <laughs> uh, looks at Kill. Where is that on my list? Number 11. I love it. It's a great song. It's the first song I heard off the album, the lead off track, and the lead off the single. And, uh,. It's cool, man. I dig it. See how I do my reviews? Quick, quick. Get over with this shit. All right. <laughs> Who's next? Thanks. Man. Ralph, you ah. kick off the next one, and we're going to stick with the uh, shout trend here at number nine, Bastard. At number nine, Bastard. That one made my number six. Uh, what a fucking song, dude. That song fucking rips, man. Again, you know, like... Red Hot, which is higher on my list. Uh, vicious tune. I love it. Next. Ian. Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, it, it's heavy ass shit. And in my copy, I had signed by uh, Vince, Mick, Tommy, and Bobby Doll. Uh, <laughs> we all know he played bass on that shit. You mean uh, so Bobby Doll can write? <laughs> yeah. It's just like an X. Um, <laughs> well, almost the next. It looks more but, like uh, a steak. <laughs> Just like happy to be here. Um, oh, bastard, man! I, I mean, again, that's that's what makes shout the devil so badass. Is that's like a deep cut. That's like a buried track. You know, you don't hear it fucking live. Uh, you know, regular fans don't know that song or don't talk about it. Um, but that's the glue that holds that album together are tracks like that and you know Red Hot and uh, you know 10 Seconds to Love you know it's not about the singles it's about the ones that aren't singles the ones that true fans know and and that's what makes that album as classic as it is Bastard awesome fucking track they stopped playing it after that tour because it's so good yeah <laughs> too, too good to play anymore yeah well, well, actually, they, they couldn't afford Bobby Doll anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted that poison money. Uh, oh, All right. Man. Edwin had this really high. Edwin, number two favorite uh, crew song. Yeah, it's my second favorite crew song. This fucking song's awesome. It's badass. It's bastard. They sound tough and mean and gritty. And I fucking love this song. It's... Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's just a great... I, everything I love about, like, early 80s metal. And this is, you know, I don't know, all these guys have the... These younger metal fans have all their different categories and stuff. You know, they want to turn it into some elemental fucking chart. Let me tell you, early 80s, this was just heavy metal. It's a fucking great heavy metal song. It's catchy. It's fun. It's sleazy. It's called Bastard. It's awesome. I love it. It's one of their best songs, and... Too bad they didn't have more songs like this in the future. It's awesome. I love it. Johnny. Oh, man. Just tremendous. In goes my knife. Out goes your life. I mean, you should have been faster, Dad. I mean, what a great song. I mean, he, he did he did have his moments with some lyrics. I mean, and this is just tremendous. I mean, there's like five songs, and this is one of them on Shout, that could all be like your number one song. It's such a yep. great album. 
But yeah, I love Bastard. Just absolutely, just a, a banger. Yeah, I, I get. I go keep on going back to this thing that, like, I mean, I almost feel like he he maybe he stole these lyrics from somebody else. <laughs> like the lyrics in this album, and even some of the lyrics on Too Fast for Love, they're like cool, like, they, and they're they're different, and and the darkness of them. I, I almost put them in like the you know early like Roth Van Halen like where where like I, I haven't heard guys write lyrics like that like some of the stuff that Johnny quoted but also like you know that you got your neck in the news you got nothing to lose really gonna screw you consider that fast dead like the whole tune of it the, the pace of it and everything it was very different I, I, now Ryan I don't remember the song specifically but there is a there is some stuff online about Nikki going into Guns N' Roses rehearsals with a tape recorder, and he did rip some shit from them. I, it just—it's it, so inconsistent with his lyrics for the rest of their their career. Well, it's just you know he was younger and hungrier. That's the thing, you know, and yeah. and, and he knew what it was like to be poor then, you know. Whereas just a few years later, he'd be all like just fucking models and rich. And, yeah, that and that song like was written. Bastard was written about their ex-manager, actually. Right. Doc McGee. I mean, it's angry. I mean, that, and it's dark. It wasn't it, in the movie because it was true. But it's cool as fuck. I mean, I, I, the song is incredible. I, I had a One very best song. And the ga- this is the sound of the vocals, the gang vocals, the production so fucking on point on that album. And to me, I know you guys all love the, with, with the exception of Johnny, you all love the drums on 94, but to me, these are the best sounding drums on a, a, a Motley Crue album. Oh, and, bullshit. They had Judas Priest write Shout of the Devil for them. <laughs> or Judas Priest wrote it for them. It's one or the other. <laughs> no, I, I'm not saying that this is true or untrue, but I, I'm just I just Googled up an interview with Doug Goldstein, former GNR manager. Terrence hates him. <laughs> yeah, he said that Nikki Six was famous, and I don't know this could be total bullshit because you know people are full of shit. Nikki is famous for taking a recorder around with him to places that he goes. So whether it's true or not, who knows? But. I didn't see it in the dirt, so it must be true. Yeah, like Terrence said, that's a typical Jew thing to say. With the big schnoz. All right, we're going to take a brief detour to the worst album maybe ever, but a great song in my opinion, and I'll let Edwin kick this off because he had it pretty high at number 10 from Girls, 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 Wild Side. Yeah, there we go, Wild Side. Great, yeah, like... With a song "Wild Side," you kind of hear that maybe, maybe Nikki Six did write those songs to shatter the devil, because this song's great, so much better than every other song on this album. And this is a thing, like, yeah, I objectively can hear that '94 for the most part has better songs than this album, but I don't think there's one song as good as "Wild Side." I just don't. I think "Wild Side" is one of their best songs. It's great. It's grimy. It's kind of like what Guns N' Roses, you know, Welcome to the Jungle and stuff were doing. You know, it's like this is their Welcome to the Jungle's Wild Side. And it's got that cool breakdown and it's grimy. And I love the lyrics and the attitude, the riffs. You know, this is one of their best songs. So much better than the rest of the album. It's on par with a lot of their best stuff in the first two albums, in my opinion. I love Wild Side. I think it's one of their best songs. Ralph Wildside. Wildside is at on my list 
Number three. Whoa, there you go. Wow. Yeah, it's that it's that high. Um, I love this song. This song fucking rules. And it mimics um Dr. Feelgood, you know, it starts with a killer song and the rest of it's crap. It's awesome. I dig this song. I love the the gritty lyrics, you know, found with the best friend's wife and all that crazy shit. And I, and I like the, you know, it's kind of um, the accuracy of the, you know, whatever the fuck Tommy's hitting on that. Sounds like he's hitting a metal beam. Bing, 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 that shit. It's it's awesome. More Great fucking. It's not a cowbell, though, is it? It's, I, it's some kind of. I know what you're talking about. It, it's an. It sounds like a pipe. It's kind of like a. a ding. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's not pipe. a cock on a boat horn. <laughs> no. <Exactly>. Okay. <laughs> Just check. Love it. Number three. Hate the album though. All right, and we're gonna go from somebody who loves the song to somebody who obviously does not like the song because it didn't even make his top forty, and he probably only had ten songs in the top forty that he likes. Ian, Wildside. Yeah, I never, I never cared for this one. I know it's a popular song. Even back in the day, this didn't do it for me. And that Tommy Lee sound, that, that's him hitting Heather Locklear's shin. Uh, <laughs> is what that is. Yeah, she, uh, she had a metal leg. I, 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 think, I, think, I think this band learned with the last album, like, we can put out whatever, and those Vogan kids are going to buy it. Uh, <laughs> so they don't even have to try anymore. But... Uh, this is one I just, I, I don't get the love for this one, but evidently I'm wrong because a lot of people think it's great. And even Ralph, who I think, you know, we agree on a lot of Motley Crue, but but not on this. I, I think it's uh, stock and stale. And, you know, to say this is their Welcome to the Jungle, Welcome to the Jungle is light years ahead of this and feels more real to me than this. Th- this feels like, you know, rich boys pretending uh, they live on the wild side you know while their you know managers and you know hangers on are, are pampering them and bringing them shit this doesn't feel like a dangerous band hey hey like, hey Ian let's rewind and you're gonna change your tune about wild side you're gonna say you like it so do it alright you better like it you son of a bitch Jew <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I hope I hope I don't get fired. This is a great song. I didn't quit. I didn't quit. Please let me back. Who won next? Who won next? Give it to Johnny. Johnny, what do you think of Wildside? Oh, total banger. I absolutely love this song. Uh, I changed my mind. Definitely one of the, one of the best. One of the best. I'm with, I'm with Ian. Now. Whether you want to believe this or not, falls in your court, but apparently Nikki Six was dating a 17-year-old Catholic high school girl, according to him, and he used to go pick her up and make her recite the Lord's Prayer, I believe, and he wrote the lyrics based on him creating a diabolical diabolical version of uh, the Lord's Prayer. According to Nikki, who knows what the fuck truth is. Well, but... it wasn't in the dirt, so it must be true. Exactly. There you go. But yeah, I love Wild Side, man. Fucking great song. Thanks. Hey, you, Ryan. I'm the last on this one? Yeah, yeah. Everyone else has talked about it. Everyone loves it but Ian. 
No, on I, you. I added a 12. I, I think it's the only great song on uh, Girls. I, I, you know, it's crazy. My second favorite song on Girls is Nona. Um, Ooh. I, 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 it's a good song. The album. Say before. what? Uh, but there's, is, is that a song even? It's I just like, like a little it's, it's like a minute and a half song, and it's about his grandmother, and, and it sounds like the Beatles. I, I'm, I'm, I'm all right with that song. The rest oh, you know True story, Nona's my favorite song on Girls, Girls, Girls. The sex tape was where he honked the boat horn with his cock. I can tell you that one. All right, great great information there, man. (laughs) Hey, you just just pulled a rock sponge. (laughs) Bring in the info. Big dick goes a long way. Sorry, Andrew Jacobs. Can he honk a boat horn with his cock? Yeah, that's that's the true test. All right, get, let, let's move. Let's move on. How here. hard is that? We all can honk a horn. I'll we tell you, I just honk a horn with my little dick. I used <laughs> to have a GIF of that on my phone that I used to post of Tommy Lee honking the horn with his cock, but it got me banned on Facebook, so I can't post it anymore, unfortunately. Wow, you're smart. <laughs> Right. At, num- at number seven, we've got uh, one more brief detour from the Shout of the Devil uh, review <laughs> with, uh, from the debut album, uh, and I think this was the I think this was the first single piece of your action. Oh, uh, I will let who had this the highest? Well, fucking Weller's Dick had it at number two. Charlie Probably Hill me. had it. At, Charlie Hill had it at number four, and. Uh, Edwin, you had it at number five, so we'll let you take this. Fucking awesome song, yeah. Charlie, you know those guys know what they're talking about. The song's badass. Uh, is this my highest song from this album? Uh, yes. Yeah, so it's all just shout the devil after this. Okay, so okay, uh, yeah, this is my favorite song from uh, this album. It's badass. It's tough. It kind of foreshadows shout a little bit. It's uh, one of the more metal sounding songs. I think too fast. For the most part, it's kind of almost like a punky kind of power pop. Uh, yeah, with I agree. It's yeah. more cheap trick in the Ramones than it, than it is, or, or even like Brit, like uh, British uh, glam. Yeah, than, yeah. Than it is uh, metal at all. Yeah, but this song, this song sounds like a metal song to me. This sounds like an LA metal song. It's one of their best songs, in my opinion. It's gritty. It's nasty. It's mean. It's rock and roll. I love it. Awesome. Uh, go to somebody else who had it in their top ten. Ian, number nine, piece of your action. Oh, fuck yeah. I love this song. Uh, it's always neck and neck with the title track for that. I mean, to me, those are the the two great songs on that fucking album. And, you know, if you read the Heroin Diaries, Nikki talks about how he originally gave this to the Beatles for Sgt. Pepper, and they turned it down. <laughs> But you know what? The Beatles' loss is Motley Crue's gain, <laughs> and uh, this is an awesome fucking track. I mean, definitely a standout. Uh, it's just got a dirty, stinky, sleazy fucking groove to it, and yeah. oh man, I mean, this this to me is like really Motley Crue at the at their fucking best. I mean, th- this one's. You know, th- this and the title track, Too Fast, are so good. They, they should have been on fucking, you know, Shout at the Devil. I mean, just stand out. The rest of that album, eh, you know, just sounds like a fucking garage band. But these two songs just 
purely from the fucking waist down, cock-driven rock and roll song. The dirty and nasty, like I like it. Great fucking song. What, what did I have? This, what number did I have this at? You had this at nine. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I was probably so fed up by then, I just started throwing out numbers. It should have been higher. <laughs> <laughs> Great song. Ian, you're going to love everything from here on in. Don't worry. Okay, bye. <laughs> wow. Um, even higher for me at number eight. Uh, this is uh, a, an awesome track. I prefer the Decade of Decadence uh, version. Oh, it's great. It's the only song that survived the set list for Theater of Pain. I, I need to hear the, the Decade of Decadence. Is it re-recorded or just remixed? No, it's remixed. Alf, is it, is it like, is it just like in the mix is different or is there like a different arrangement? No, it's exactly the same. It just sounds more beefier. Okay. And it sounds, you know, less garagey. You know, um, which is not a bad thing. I like the the Too Fast for Love version as well. I'm just saying that's my favorite version. No, that's cool. I I mean, I'm glad you even brought it up. Something I would have never even thought of. But like, as soon as we're done with this, I want to go listen to it. I want to listen to it now, but we got to finish the episode. You know, you know, another another thing. Tommy Lee honked the boat horn with his cat. (laughs) (laughs) And on the decade of decades version. Bobby Dahl's higher in the mix. <laughs> yeah. That's why it sounds beefier. <laughs> but I love it. It's All my right. second favorite song off, off the first album. Nice. Who hasn't gone yet? I don't even know. I, I haven't gone yet. I, I'll just, one thing I'll say about, obviously, tremendous song. Piece of your action, tremendous. It's my favorite Mick Mars solo on any crew song. I think it's tremendous. And I think a couple of things to note about Too Fast for Love is the Roth influence on Vince Neil. After the the solo, Mick solo, he will come in with like a huge scream. Love it. Yeah. I'll finish it. I had a number 11. It's awesome. It's, and again, I, I, the whole vibe and tone guitar tone especially on that first album i just love i love how all over the place that album is i love that it's a band that obviously has no idea what it wants to be yet um and, and they this still is, don't <laughs> you're right they, they spent an entire career not knowing what they wanted to be very similar to kiss which again we go back to as i call them kiss jr um oh my god kiss jr but uh, love piece of your action. It's just a fucking killer song. It's sleaze rock at its best. It's it's dirty. It's grimy. Some cool lyrics and mixed tone on it kills. Uh, it's fucking awesome. Uh, I love it. All right, Vin, we move. Vin, Vin, Vince's car kills too. <laughs> too soon. I, I I might be the only one on here that's a big Hand or Fox fan, but we'll move. Forward. I love Boulevard of Broken Dreams. That song. I don't know nothing about that fucking band, Incredible. but I heard that song and I like that song a lot. But love. I can't tell you anything else about it. Love that song. Yeah. Um, but we move on to number six, and I'm gonna let Ian kick this one off. This was very high on Ian's list, and. This was one of many songs, and this was going back and forth amongst the, a, a bunch of the people that put their lists in between, like, Weller's Dick and, and uh, Hill and, and all these guys. They were saying, like, 
the little intro pieces that lead into another song. Is that one song or do I rank them alone? So I always thought there are like four very definitive songs in the in the crew catalog that like there's an intro that I always attach to the song. And this was the only one that that well actually TNT Dr. Feelgood I tied together. But um this one is the last one we'll go over. And Ian, what do you think about maybe the coolest little intro piece in the history of music into a great song into the, in the beginning into Shout of the Devil? Well, I mean, first of all, this whole list is a fucking sham. <laughs> it isn't number one. But I, I, think, I think even more disappointing than Shout of the Devil not being the number one song was you pointing out the fact that I couldn't list in the beginning and God Bless the Children of the Beast as separate songs. I had to go back and pick two more fucking Motley Crue songs because I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck, I'm trying to fill shit here. No, you know, you uh, wait, wait, wait. They're separate entities. Ian, you didn't. I gave you the option to add two more, and you said, no, I can't come up with any more. That's no joke. That's no joke. That's what he actually came joke. back with. And for, and for good reason. And for good reason. Um, Not putting two no, more fucking awful songs on this list. But, uh, no. In the beginning. So fucking awesome. Sets the the tone for the fucking album. Uh, dark, mysterious. And, and to me, truly dark and mysterious. Not like fucking, you know, danger on Sesame Street. Uh, you know, this, this is eerie, uh, it's, you know, the album cover with the fucking pentagram, which I didn't know for the longest time was the cover, because I bought it on cassette, and the cassette had, you know, the pictures of the four, didn't have I the hate pen. that fucking Me cover. Too. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know, because at the time I was buying cassettes, I wasn't buying vinyl. They will never, ever even come close to... To having something as fucking kick-ass as Shout of the Devil. And I still, I don't don't ask me about Nikki Six fucking killer lyrics. Because I can't understand a motherfucking thing Vince Neil says other than Shout of the Devil. That's the only thing I can make out and stay A-A-A-H. Ian, he's a, he's a wolf screaming lonely in the night. He's a blood stain on the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that and then Shout of the Devil. That's all I fucking know. But it fucking just kicked ass. Kicked <laughs> fucking ass. The greatest song they ever did. And whoever says they got something better than that uh, is is a Motley Crue fan. I, I don't know. Good you know, song. You know, it wasn't Vince that sang that song. It was Terrence's co-host. That's why you didn't understand it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to put those positions down. A dog reel. A dog reel. Okay. No, okay. no, girl. <laughs> JK. Um, All right. Round. Uh, what song is this? A Shot of the Devil. Uh, number four on my list. Beginning with it. Uh, yeah, in the beginning's awesome. Uh, Shot of the Devil's awesome. It's a fucking. It is uh, the best opening track on any. Well, no, not not true. Not the best opening track, but it's a fucking masterpiece, dude. It's fucking awesome. I love the. The heaviness of it, and you gotta bring this up. That fucking Generation Swine redo of Shout at the Devil. Ooh. Holy mm -hmm. fuck. Uh, don't bring that up. Uh, 
It's, we're yeah. talking about Molly Crew. We can't be positive here. <laughs> the other reason you can't ignore it is because that's basically most of the time when they play it live over the last 20 years, they basically play that version of it. They play only, it. only with Tommy Lee, because when they had Randy Castillo and that chick, whoever that girl was, they played <laughs> the, the they played the fucking uh, original version. When Tommy wasn't around, those two tours, they played it how it is on the 83 album. So. That version is, is straight horseshit. It's yeah. fucking horrible. That's like, they did like a new metal twist to it on that one. Yeah. You know, it was like bouncy and shitty. It was like fucking Marilyn Manson. I mean, it was terrible. Yeah. That, that remake makes Brandon sound like Brandon. It's yeah. fucking terrible. <laughs> All right. I, I'm right with you. Uh, Ralph, I added number four. Um, it, it's fucking unbelievable. It, it's one of the best metal songs of all time. In the beginning is one of the coolest things ever. I, in the right mood, I still get the chills when I hear in the beginning. I, I just think I just think it's like one of the coolest, like a little like evil, dark, and it felt genuine. It didn't feel contrived. Um, it, it's yeah. a, something to like a Vincent Price, you know, in like in like some kind of like horror movie from the from the '60s, and it, it's just fucking awesome. Am I right by saying I think this is true that the guy that did that in the intro is the same guy you were talking about earlier that? Didn't get along with Tom Warman and he stopped like working with Molly Crew, that guy. I don't, I don't know. I yeah. think it's him. I actually think it's him. Just just hey. to throw out there, uh, Ralph, you are correct. Uh, it was Workman who did the did the vocal for in the beginning. That's Look all. at that. Look at the brain on me. But Ralph, you, you agree with me that like the guitar tones they had on Shout, like they're similar songs on theater where the guitar tone just doesn't sound as good. It's boxy. It's very it's very it, it, it doesn't have that thickness to it. Uh, you may be correct. I got to go back to listen to theater without my fingers in my ears. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, who, uh, Edwin, have you gone on Shout yet? Uh, no, no, it's a, everything you guys say. It's an awesome song. I think I, I like the verses even better than the chorus. You know, yeah, I mean, they, they sound tough and mean. Finn sounds great. Drums are great. Everything's, you know, one of their best songs. You know, everything on this album is one of their best songs. It, I think, <coughs> if I understand, it's like Satan took over the world and they're fighting against Satan. Is that like the idea? Like, isn't that what the song's about? That like Satan, that Satan took over. I, I, I think it's about the Jew world order. <laughs> yeah, it was the Jews took over. <laughs> That's what Terrence told me. Shout at the Jew. Terrence got that information from Nazipedia. <laughs> and, 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 Ter and Terrence said by devil they meant the Jews. <laughs> shout! Shout at the Jews! He said, in the beginning... The devil said, Schlemiesel, Schlemazel, Hawesome Pepper Incorporated. <laughs> We're not shouting with the devil. We're shouting at Hitler. Terrence <laughs> <laughs> doesn't like the Jews because his babysitter's Jewish and she makes him fucking sit in the corner still at fucking 40 years old. In his own poop. <laughs> In his dirty diaper. Oh, by the way, no, I, I, this is very important. Andrew Jacobs' wife is a whore. 
All right, who's next? Wow. That note moved to the top five. Ooh, top five. All right. Uh, this, uh, who's got the, I want to give this to, oh, Ian's got it the highest. But this is the first song that the four, the five of us, well, we have to wait to hear from Ralph. But all, we all had in our top ten. Ian had it at number two. And it is the, uh, probably their signature song, uh, Home Sweet Home. What? Ian had it at number two? He did. I thought, I thought you hated this song, Ian. No, I love Home Sweet Home. Really? I, I lo- it, it is, it, again, it's, uh, it, it doesn't sound like Motley Crue. Uh, unfortunately, it was very detrimental to <laughs> hard rock and heavy metal because after this was such a fucking hit, every band did, you know, the obligatory ballad. It was always the second fucking single. Um, and it went from where, like, a ballad was a rarity, and usually if it was a ballad, it was, like, a really good fucking song to where it was mandatory. But you you can't argue with how awesome this song is. And the Mick Mars guitar solo, to me, by oh, far, is his best fucking it's, solo. It's, it mimics too, too Young to Fall in Love, that kind of shredding. Yeah, with no, with no fucking what is it? That fucking slide bullshit. Yeah, oh, I love it. It's it's it, it's just it's it's fucking perfect, and it's it's one of those like I should be sick of it. Like every time I hear it, I should be like, oh fuck, change the channel. But I always have to listen to it, if nothing else, to hear that fucking guitar solo. And I mean, it's I I can't fucking hate on it, man. It's awesome. Uh. It's no shot at the devil, but it, 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 it's fucking great, and I love it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it next. I, I had it at number five, and, and it just kind of, you know, just echo everything Ian said. I mean, the, and, it, you know, for a song that's been overplayed as much as it has, it says a lot for it, and it tells you how good the song is. Uh, Johnny, what do, you, what do you think about Home Sweet Home? Well, obviously, I love Home Sweet Home. Did you expect anything less? Mm-hmm. But you know, I, 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 lo- I love the song. I mean, it's a great fucking song. I, I think that we've spent, uh, at this point, four hours talking about four fucking people. And I'm not even talking about John Karabi, who should play bass and rat, or further guitar and rat. seven people. But the, the the four main members of Motley Crue are total fucking scumbags, pieces of <laughs> shit. All right, human beings. And this song just, it ties them together with a little bit of humanity in, in, in each one of them. Because they, they, they are fucking horrible fucking human beings. Anyway, I got to say this about this song that not a lot of people are aware of. This song was not initially a hit. The MTV just showed it like three, four times. That's it. And then when they invented that uh, dial MTV thing, this this video was by the fans. Made it number one so long, they actually had to retire it and change dial MTV where you can only be number one for so long. Or you can only be in the right. dial thing so long. Mm. This song became huge because of dial MTV. Before dial MTV, I remember they, they showed Smoke in the Boys Room constantly and not this song. And when they did show this song, 
before Dial MTV, they showed it with the whole intro. You know, with Vince on the beach and all that shit. Um, mm-hmm. I do love, I do love this song. I've always loved it. When I was horrified by Theater of Pain, my friends would laugh at me. I was like, oh, I like the ballad off there. Home Squealing's kind of cool. And they're like, wow, you're gay. And I'm like, yeah, sure, <laughs> man. Take out your cock. I'll show you how gay I am. And I slurped that cock like a pro. That's why I like this song, bro. Mm-hmm. I like Home Sweet Home. I've always liked it. I've always loved this song. And it made it all the way up to number 14 on my list. All right, I'm, we've gotten all the way up to number five, and I've completely lost track of who's gone. So, is any everybody talking about? Uh, I didn't say home sweet home. I'll, I'll keep it short. I'll just piggyback on what Johnny said. Uh, when I listen to this song, and like everyone else, I love this song. It's beautiful. It's their greatest ballad. It's one of their best songs. I'm um, just like you listen to this song, you go, "Wow, Motley Crue. They're a bunch of scumbags. How the fuck did they write this song? How did, <laughs> did like Tommy Lee like do the piano on this? Yeah." Yeah, how did that fucking meathead do this, like a song, like a thing that actually sounds like a real song on a piano? Well, it's one of those pianos (laughs) that have that little, you know, that paper inside that actually plays his, and he he just air piano. He did like like what Eric Singer is now doing on Beth. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the the Don't Go Away Man. Like, I hear this and go, "Eh, someone else must have wrote this, because it's like a real song. No, that uh, that one's Molly Cooper did. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I, it's a beautiful song. It's great. It's a house heart. It shows you that even scumbags can pretend that they have heart enough uh, to to write a successful song. That I will, beg to differ. <laughs> Terrence never wrote a song. That it will lead them to fuck more women. Uh, so well done, Motley Crue. Because if I was a chick listening to this song, I would want to fuck you even more. It's a beautiful song. Good job. <laughs> All right, if we're going to go right into number four, and I'm going to give it right back to Edwin. And I apologize because I have not give it, let Edwin speak first on many tonight. And uh, uh, this was very high on Edwin's list at number four, and it was Edwin's number four. Of yeah. course, shout, 10 Seconds to Love. Yeah, it's awesome. Another awesome song for this. It's just... Uh... Great. The lyrics are more clever than they would get a few years or even just a year or two later. Uh, it's it's great writing, the riff, everything. It's just another great song from Shout. I don't have too much to say about it, but I do love it. Johnny Vogan had it at number two. Woo! Yeah, I mean, I fucking love the song. Here's the thing. They did write lyrics like this, but they just weren't as good. I mean, look at look at the song tonight. Tonight uh, we need a lover. Very fucking similar lyrically, but just not nearly as good. Conceptually, very similar. I need someone to touch my cock and blow a load. <laughs> what was That's, that line? That, what was that line in uh, "Need a Lover" dripping from her honey pot? <laughs> yeah, 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 brilliant. Gene Simmons. Yeah, that, that's burn, Drop bitch, your burn knees material. and taste my sword. Burn, bitch, burn. Oh, God. <laughs> I love this song. It did, it's kind of low, but shit, it made my list, which means I like the song. It's a 24 on my list. Uh, it's a sleazy, fucked up song. So I love it. I love uh, 10 Seconds, number 24 on my list. Ian. Oh, God, do I love this one. Where was this on my list? That had to be fucking up there. Number three. Yeah. Oh, God, do I love this song. And, you know, what's funny, there's been so many songs on this list that, you know, where you can tell Motley Crue ripped off Terrence. 
Uh, but this is the one where, where they ripped off that hook-nosed Jew, Andrew Jacobs. Because uh, he had a song called 10 Seconds and I'm Done. And uh, that's why his wife strays so much. But, uh, you know, his lyrics were way worse than this. Something about, you know, pull my trigger, Terrence hates Jews, and my wife fucks. Uh, I can't remember uh, the, the actual lyrics. Lesbians! Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's... yeah that, that wife of his, he fucking no man. No man. No, <laughs> oh, man. Man. no she on. fucked Andrew. You never fucked him. Uh, but uh, this song, holy fuck is is this fucking awesome and uh again you know i've talked about like albums that i truly consider classic and and shout the devil is definitely one of them there's those songs that weren't the singles but they are the glue that holds it together that takes it to that next fucking level and and that's what this one is because this would be considered like a a deep track or an album track or or god forbid filler uh, because, you know, only Motley Crue fans, like true Motley Crue fans, know this song. They, you know, you, you don't hear them play it live that often. I think they've played it a couple times, but it's not, you're not, you're not going to hear this like you are, you know, a uh, ton of other shitty songs. But that you were fucking should. You goddamn yeah. should. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Number three, and we're going to stay with the Shadow of the Devil theme, and I will give this one to Johnny, because he had a number three on his list. Knock 'em dead, kid. Oh man, just absolute banger of a song. I mean, just it's so hardcore, um, just so metal, '83 metal, American metal at that time. Um, I mean, Nikki's lyrics here are just just pure. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think he wrote them. He could have wrote them. It was Rob Hoffman. <laughs> It had to have been somebody else because they're just so hardcore. That's all I got. Ian, knock him dead, kid. Oh, fuck yeah, man. Uh, again, I don't see how any of these songs beat fucking Shout the Devil. But how can you bitch about this song? It's awesome. Uh, like Johnny said, you know, American early 80s metal and innovative at the time. Uh, you know, while. You know, a lot of people try to be innovative on the bass and play like a fretless bass and a double neck bass. Uh, Nikki plays a soundless bass. Uh, great shit, man. Great, great song. Not better than Shot the Devil, though, but I dig it. Edwin. Yeah, great song. Love it. Like, you know, most of the Shot the Devil songs, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I know it was like, uh, what was it, like six or seven on my list? Where, where, where was it? It was it had to be in the top ten. Ten. Yeah, there you go. Just ten. Just for, but yeah, it's awesome. I love it. Uh, number twelve on my list. Knock 'em dead, kid. I love it. I love Star Spangled Fight, Steel Belted Scream. And that's why it sounds. It sounds like Judas Priest. It sounds like yeah. something the Priest would write. It really. You does. don't. You don't hear that type of metallic lyrics in any Motley Crue song afterwards. You know, and this one is just. It's just gritty. And uh, it's a badass song. I love it, and I put it all the way at number 12. Yeah, I, I, I go right off of what Ralph was saying. I mean, this is another one of those songs where, like, I'm like, where do these lyrics come from? I had it at 16. And yeah, maybe he was ripping off Priest or Accept. I mean, yeah, you know, at that time period. But, yeah, it's very different from what they would do later. 
He went in with the recorder during the Defender of the Face session. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we go into number two, and I'm going to give it to Johnny because he had it number one. And also, I have to say, Edwin had it number one, too. So, I mean, two of the panel here had it number one. and it was Are we the only two that had this at number one? Yeah. Wow. How the fuck? Me and Johnny high five on this one. It's the last song on the list from Shout of the Devil, and it is red fucking hot. It, 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 it is red fucking hot. It's fucking unbelievable. I mean, what a metal, American metal masterpiece. Absolute banger. And the, the drums from fucking Tommy, mixed guitar, the whole fucking thing is just a fucking metal masterpiece, man. I'll, I'll piggyback on Johnny here because I also had a number one. I'm surprised. I know it's very high. It's number two, so it's not like you all hate it. <laughs> but I'm surprised this is a number one. I mean, it's fucking red hot. This song's badass. It's their heaviest song. It's catchy. It's sleazy. It's it's almost, I don't know, thrash or speed metal, whatever fucking category you want to put in. All I know is it's fucking fast and heavy and badass. This is the hottest. It's red hot. Love it. Ralph. It is my number two as well. Nice. I, I agree with the poll here. Um, it is awesome. Yeah, the double bass. I think it's like a, a puzzle piece. Like all put together well because just the bridge, the, the verses, you know, it's all. And, and also the, the, the chorus. I mean, everything is so well put together, very catchy. It's very hooky. And it's that double bass going on all the way through it. It's just a badass tune. And I love how it's short to the point. It makes its mark. Best song on Shout of the Devil, in my opinion. Love it. Nice. Right on. All right, Red Hot Ian. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love this one. Uh, Again, a great album track from uh, Shout of the Devil. It was the highlight of the... uh, red white and crew tour because back then they were still using uh you know backing tracks from the 84 tour so it sounded great you know vince sounded good uh and that's not a double bass that's a double blonde that tommy lee's beating on two of them at the same time beating the shit out of them Uh, and one was a young andrew jacobs white (laughs) yeah he beat those pigskins hard yeah. Uh, That's how you got uh, that sound. Great fucking track. Uh, nothing bad to say about this. Still ain't shout at the devil, but uh, I dig it, and I'm glad. This is one of the songs I'm glad made it this high, because it, it you know, it's an album track. It, it's not a single, and at least enough people, uh, you know, took notice of this, because this is real Motley Crue to me. Dig it. And I, I got to give a shout out to Wang because Bill Wang always says, you know, it was American metal. Say what you want, call it glam, call it this, call it that. In 1983, kiss, lick it up, you know, crew, shout, rat, rat. That was American metal back then. There was no hair, there was no glam. That's what it was. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> All right, number one, and I don't think it's Thanks any. Thanks, fucking God. 
Come on, Ian. You've enjoyed the top ten at least. First band on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, and I will give this one. Who had it the highest? Uh, I did. It's my number one. Oh, they take it, Doctor Fuck. This is definitely my favorite. Always been my favorite Motley Crue song. I'll never forget seeing the video on MTV. This is like really early MTV. Blew my fucking mind because back then they weren't shouting at the devil. Nikki had the upside down cross, and uh, there was a bunch of satanic shit all over that. That song is so fucking badass, and it's. Uh, you know, it's really survived the test of time. It's still fucking killer. It's just like, you know, Red Hot, it's fast and furious and, you know, take my fist, break down walls and like, break her face and all that crazy shit, dude. For a fucking, well, how old was I? 33? Man, I was like, fuck yeah. This is awesome. I loved it. And then, like, feel good. <laughs> I went and bought the album. I was like, oh, what the fuck? You know, the live wire. Come on, Nick. Come on, 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 awesome it's gritty it's long, you know sleazy everything that ralph said maybe a touch of burnout factor but only only a very minor touch it's an awesome song ian uh well i i hate to agree uh with terrence on this but you know <laughs> this is proof <laughs> this is proof that the election was stolen those goddamn dominion uh uh vote counters <laughs> Because uh, clearly, Shout at the Devil is the number one song. But, uh, you know, Jews run the fucking media, and that's why Livewire is number one. It's a good song, but it's not their best song. Uh, but I dig it. Yeah, but you know what, Ian? While we were all asleep, some fucking beep in an SUV went in there and put Livewire number one. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you this, Ian. Mick Watkins, Dick Watkins, my brother, who I love him, he he had Hell on High Wheels as number one. So the voting is... Johnny, what do you got for Livewire? Oh, man. I mean, I I agree with Ian. I love it. it. It definitely warrants being a number one song. Is it my number one? No. But uh, it's a tremendous fucking banger of a song, and it is total American metal at that time that helped usher in that era, and it's so simplistic, but yet so great. And just that line, I'm hot, young, running free, a little bit better than I used to be. I say that to myself every fucking day. Am I that? And I say to myself, yes, you are, John. Continue on. Right on, modesty sucks. You are Johnny. There you yeah, go. I mean, this song—it's interesting. I came to this song kind of late. Um, my my path to Too Fast for Love was that video I talked about earlier—that uh, Motley Crue uncensored or whatever it was. Um, Shout and uh, and theater were already out, and, and that video came out, and 
that's the first time I heard Livewire. And, and I remember as, as heavy as Shout was, that song still sounded almost like more metal to me than anything on Shout. Terrence summed up this whole fucking episode. He said, <laughs> Wadzilla's fat, drunk catastrophe. This whole list is part of the Jewish conspiracy. And I quit. I was not fired. Yeah. yeah. He quit. He and, quit. And he left us for greener pastures. And Ralph, you said you wanted to give a list of the songs you had on your list that didn't make the list. Yeah, I... now, now it's comedy time. Real quick, to make the really funny ones first. Glitter? And something for nothing is in my honorary mentions. Come on, laugh. That shit's fucking horrible. Something um, for nothing. I fucking love that song. That something for nothing great. made my top 40. Sounds great. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, the other honorary mentions, Power to the Music, Hammered, Louder Than Hell, which I said earlier, and Let Us Pray. Now, in my top 25, number 25, Fight for Your Rights, which is very hated. Uh, no, number... that song's fucking banger, man. Are you yeah, kidding? a lot of a lot of people hate that one. I love I that. that song. Yeah, well, dude, you and I have shitty taste in music. <laughs> All right, at number twenty-three, Saints and Sinners that didn't make none of their fucking albums. I love uh, that fucking song. Too. Yeah, that song rules. I, I um, love that. I love that song too. Number twenty, Hollywood Ending. I um, love uh, that song too. Yeah. I did. Uh, number nineteen, On with the Show. We that wasn't on the list, was it? How in the world no. was no, that so not on making? Is that song's a fucking great fucking song, and even Ian likes it. At number sixteen, "Fake" from New Tattoo. Great song. Love that song. All right, and the last one that we did not mention tonight at number five, "Uncle Jack." I love that fucking song. Yeah, that's it. Those are the songs that I I like that weren't on the list. All right, well, I'll do my honorable mentions uh, because it was so hard to pick, you know, with this initial list of 40. Uh, I ran out of shit, so my songs that didn't make the cut were Never Let You Go by Steelheart. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I fucking love that song. Uh, I, I love it more than Don't Get All the Way Around. Luca by awesome. Suzanne Vega. <laughs> I got yeah. that on vinyl. My name is Luca. Is that how that song went? My name is Luca. Yeah, right? I got that on vinyl just the other day. And, uh, Tom Steiner, and, man. And Bang, <laughs> Bang by Gorky Park. Those didn't the list, like but they were damn close. No putting on the ribs there, are you? Uh, all right. Uh, my... uh, t- Taco was like 52. <laughs> yeah. No song. Rock Me Amadeus? <laughs> How about my, Big my, Big Balloons? What is it? Big Five Balloons? <laughs> what was the name of that one? 99 Loft Balloons by Dana. <laughs> 99 I love the song. Of course you do. My extras would be... <laughs> enjoying a great IPA right now. But uh, my extras would be... Uh, I Will Survive... I think that song's a fucking awesome fucking song. Total banger. The other one would be Black Widow. I think Black Widow, exact same thing. I mean, probably more heavy, hardcore than any song on theater and should probably been on that album. Why they weren't, I have no idea because... 
<laughs> I, right will survive, I will survive and Black Widow are better than most of the songs in Theater of Pain. So, so is 99 Love Balloon. Right. So that's <laughs> that's my take on that. What, what, what album? What if you haven't heard those songs, that. YouTube yeah, them up. Black Widow and I Will Survive. Those are banging and hot crew songs. Were they like uh, like unreleased tracks? They, yeah, they're, they're leftover shout tracks, but they're fucking awesome. You've oh. never heard those songs? No, no, I haven't heard this. No. I Will Survive and Black Widow are Black, great fucking songs. Black well, Widow. Black Widow is a song I've had forever, like on some cassette back in 83, 84, because it was available back then in bootleg. And I was shocked that they actually put it on, uh, on was it on the box set? I know they put it out eventually. I think it was on Red, White, and Crew. Yeah, it's shocking. How they, I was like, wow, Black Widow's on here, which is God Save the Children of the Beast with lyrics. Yeah, yeah that's a good if song. you want to check out some more rare shit, look up girls girls bobby and and that's where they 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 pump up bobby doll's bass on five years ahead <laughs> but ha- have you guys not heard i will survive yeah it's a yeah. bonus track on uh child of the devil remaster all right it's a fucking banging track man it's banging yeah I'll, I'll check it out i did a, i had the bonus tracks i had the remaster but for whatever reason i don't remember that so i'll check it out oh so good yeah no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Anthony, what are, what are your extras? Well, you know, I think uh, I like uh, Too Fast for Love more than a lot of you. Uh, it's easily my second favorite album. I definitely think Shout's better. But uh, So uh, if I recall, it, isn't it like two tracks from that, uh, Ryan? Yep. Uh, um, it's uh, Stick to Your Guns. From the oh. original, li- yeah, I like that song. Oh. Like, I hate that fucking song. <laughs> I like that song. Terrible. <laughs> it's it's so bad. Punk and kind of. I hate six years guns. Oh, I just I like, like it. it. It's just kind of just straight up and stupid and rocking. I like it. I like that song. Uh, we have right. Yeah, <laughs> and I just like the sound, the guitar tone in the beginning. We go I love the guitar tone. It's just dirty. It's dirty. That's exactly the guitar tone. Uh, It's dirty sounding. I just like it. It's just a dirty sounding track. And also, um, uh, Public Enemy Number One. A much better. I love that song. Much better. That one I don't mind. That one's okay. Good power pop song, I think. Kind of fun and catchy. Oh, man. Yeah, I love that. Much better second track. One thing I did, because, you know, I get kind of nerdy at this shit. I. I do have the I like the electric mix, but I re, you know I sequence the song like the leather version because I think the sequencing's better because you got Public Enemy number one sounds great after Live Wire like really kicks into it much better than a uh, Come On and Dance song which is I think the worst song on the album, which Electra made like the second song on the album. It's the worst song on any album. <laughs> yeah, I like, love I love Come On and Dance. Sarge, I, I don't I got it. I don't have you back there, Johnny. I don't like how long dance. Speaking of three blind mice, I'm gonna go with an album that most people hate, and I'm gonna feature two songs from that album. And, and I I will be bold and say I think this is a very underrated album. It's not much to say it's underrated because most people fucking despise it. But Generation Swine. I hate that fucking album. <laughs> that album's a fucking Half the album I like. I, I really I do. It. 
broke and, my and fucking I, heart, man. I, I'm gonna list off the tracks that wait, I like. Wait, wait, wait! I'm, I'm sorry. I hate feature. to cut you off. I hate to cut you off. <laughs> I did mention "Let Us Pray," right? Uh, no, yeah. you didn't. Oh, okay, yet. that is on my list too. Yeah, "Let Us Pray" was on my list. Okay, so I love "Let Us Pray." It was one of the songs that I was gonna talk about as my extras. That that, that song is fucking hardcore. And again, I love it. But like, I love "Flush" on that album. I love "Confessions" on that album. Uh, I like beauty on that album. It, it's and, diff- and it, you and I have had this conversation a thousand fucking times. We've talked about this a thousand times. We've, and I told you, I fucking hate the fucking thing. Well, and, and I'll finish with my second featured song that wasn't in the top 25 that came very close. It was number 28, Is Afraid. I, I think that's a great yeah, single. I like, I like it. Um, I think it's a great single. I think it's catchy. I, I, I think it was very... Afraid I like. That's the one I like. That's the one song off, off Swine that I like. Afraid. That, that, that's, the, that's my last of, of the extras. Well, so, so, Vogan and John Karabi agree on that album because Karabi sued over songwriting credits on Generation yes. Swine. But he sued to have his name removed from him. <laughs> Stop saying I was part of that album. I, I tell you, th- th- this this episode gives me uh, uh, inspiration for another uh, Motley Crue show because we did like the worst Motley Crue songs. We did the best Motley Crue song. I think the next one should be song so shitty you would swear Motley Crue wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that has a lot of potential. Well, there you go, man. This has been a fucking epic long episode. Hey, it's re- hey what? This is magical. <laughs> what I will, I, what I will say is this: is this is a big fucking deal for a lot of people. It, it's very. I, I'm very happy about it because, and I, yeah, I get, I get you. I'm shit faced. Whatever. But <laughs> well, I I, I I gotta say I'm very happy to be back. I'm very happy to have Ian back with my friend. Yeah. Uh, and yep. thank you, Terrence, for that. As far as me having sex with Ian, we gotta ease into that, Ian. Um, <laughs> you know. Because I don't think it'll be as hot as it used to be. We gotta ease into it. You probably do, and I get that. But you know, the whole thing was I missed you guys, you know? The whole the show was a big deal for me, you know. It was, it was a, a big deal for me, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. It was a big part of my life, and uh, I'm happy that you guys have been defenses. So we're there back, you. motherfucker. Goddamn right. Wow. So every oh, yeah. other podcast, you're on fucking notice. We are fucking back. Yeah, I I have to say, just for me to you know pay homage to you guys. Um, I, I did I honestly never listened to podcasts period until I got into you guys. Um and I still Me neither. I, I still don't really listen to many podcasts. It's not I good to, I, enough. I'm serious. You guys need to lather us a little more. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> um <laughs> but like I, I do listen to Decibel Geek. I like those guys, but I'm not like you know, it's not like I listen to it every week like I did with you guys. But um I didn't intend. I tried Terrence, Mark, and Jake. It didn't work. Wow, <laughs> you're fucking flirting now, dude. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Was he, just he, sounded like, he sounded like Terrence's co-host there. I said, I tried Terrence, Mark, and Jake. It didn't work. <laughs>
that podcast. Oh, no, no, let's go down that list. Remember Cribs? <laughs> <laughs> there was Cribs, the, what was it, Rock and Prog Central? Yeah. Remember, remember, Ian, they would start their show with current events, and then they would current. end their show with a pick of the moment. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want to be like them. And Terrence runs around saying, well, I'm taking over the Rock and Metal Combat podcast because those two left you high and dry. Well, I would say the same thing with your multiple personalities, how the, the Terrence and Mark left your personalities high and dry. Cribs left you high and dry. Rock and Pog, whatever the fuck. How many fucking shows has that idiot gone through after Rock and Metal? And now he's reduced to... <laughs> audio-visual podcast on YouTube because he doesn't want to pay for something nobody watches, you know? And uh, I, from this point forward, I promise to just hand the microphone over to those guys because they do it better than I can. And the only thing I ask of the two of them is if you're ever going to do anything even replicating a or approaching a top 25 or whatever you want to call career retrospective for Cheap Trick, just make me a part of that episode. Well, if you would have said, I would have killed myself if you didn't get back together, we would have invited you. But that wasn't <laughs> nice enough. You didn't lather good enough, dude. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes, of course. Just make part me part of any Cheap Trick episode. And I got to say, man, you know, as happy I'm back with Ian and we're friends again, everything's great. Honestly, dude, this fucking year and whatever that we were gone was good for us, man. Believe me, yeah. we needed to recharge those batteries. We were at each other's throats. It wasn't, it wasn't happy anymore. Ian wasn't happy anymore. It was just kind of like, and plus we were so stressed with the fan paid episodes, you know, studying, 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 which I don't mind now that I got my batteries rejuiced and I'm sure uh, Ian does as well. Um, we'll. We'll knock out those fan paid episodes and then I can't wait. I can't wait, Ian, because I yeah. said this back in the day. I said, we need to do fair warning soon, you know, in case something bad happens. You remember yeah. when I said that? Oh, I yeah. Said, I go, we need to, we haven't done fair warning, but we wow. do it because we've got too many fan-paid episodes. Anyway, I just want to say, too, uh, just to piggyback what uh, Johnny and Ryan were saying, you know, it's great that you guys are back together. Of course, I'm not a big podcast guy. I don't know if I ever told you guys this. I, you're one of the few podcasts I like. Uh, you, you guys are different. You're rock and roll. It's, but it's more than that. Over the years, and this is even the thing with the RMCP page and all that, is it's become more than that. I consider you both, you and Ralph and Ian, I consider you friends. It's, and especially, you know, during the pandemic and all this shit, not to get too heavy, but I felt you guys, like, you know, you both kind of helped me and a lot of other people through this, you know, and, and, you know, all your videos and all the things you do, Ralph, all this stuff. It's it's part of a community, and it actually means something to a lot of people. It means something to me. I value, you know, it's not just the entertainment, but it's also the friendship. It's a beautiful thing, and above all, I'm just glad that you two guys are talking to each other again. And hey, that's hey, the most hey, important thing. Hey, just Ryan, saying. take notes, take notes. That's the way you do it. Thank you. No, but he, what he was saying is so true. There's so many you know, people that were involved with voting in this list, but the names go on and on and on on the the Facebook page of how many Hall of Fame, you know. Yeah, I just want one other thing. I want to throw out an extra one to Mitt 
Mick Watkins there, my brother. Dick Dick Twatkins. Dick Twatkins, as he's also known. Basis for Wild Ride. Uh, this is the thing is, you know, uh, Terrence is kind of getting the credit for bringing you guys together, but I feel like Terrence started talking about the Rock and Metal Combat podcast again because, you know, Mick was the one that actually created that page, the RMCP Army. And, oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he. I jumped on very quick as a as one of the administrators on it, but it was Mick's idea. He he did it uh, as soon as Bob and Megan Reed. Shout out to them. Uh, they they had a page going that kind of became like the default page for a lot of us that used to go to the Rock and Metal Combat page while it was going on. And when they uh, got rid of their page. Mick immediately created that page, and I jumped on it and said, hey, I was thinking that we should create a page, but I guess I'll just jump on your page here since you're doing it. And, and Mick, you guys created a page, and what did I say right from day one? You you keep made that fucking Keep fucking Terrace and fucking Mark off oh, yeah. the fucking You, you did say that. You did say that, and we, that. Did, we did, and we did, uh, we, you know, we kept half that promise. We kept Terrence uh, <laughs> off the page, and... And I don't think it's a coincidence that, a, like, a couple weeks later, Terrence starts doing this thing with the podcast. I think, we like, he was, like, I don't know. I think my theory is that he paid, he took notice of that. So <laughs> so I'm giving props to Mick Watkins for, started, for stirring off Terrence, who stirred off you guys, who then contacted me. And all this thing snowballed. So I just want to throw that out well, to Mick. I'm giving you all the credit, Edwin, because it was you that asked me to be on this episode. Uh, if that didn't happen, it, it wouldn't have been a reunion. And Ian, you yes, still sir. there? By the way, yes, I did sir. talk. I did talk to my lawyer today, and we are sending a cease and desist to Edwin and Mick tomorrow about that page. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Copyrights, goddammit. That's right. I, I don't think we, we, we'd be very happy to do so if you want. But like I said, I'd see, I consider it as a fan page for your podcast, where we're like the hype guys. Uh, but, uh, you, know. you know what? I, I love it, and, and it's that's just a testament to the show that there's multiple Facebook pages about what we do. And, and that just shows you how this has a life of its own, that it has a community of its own. And, Where uh, these two idiots, Terrence and Andrew, thought, well, since they're gone, the Rock and, rock and Metal Combat Podcast Army's gone, too. Yeah. Yep. And, and a good Oh, I thing. showed them that that was not the case, because I just fucking berated him. <laughs> I love you, Johnny. You I berated baby. Terrence. Yeah. I quote. Hey, I hey can... Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> Piss in my cut, you beast. <laughs> <laughs> And I've, I've got some uh, some more great news going on. Uh, my missus, who is a huge fan of the show, uh, decided she's going to do something that Ralph and I were always like, eh, we didn't want to be bothered. No, she's going to start up a thing. She's going to start making, well, not making, but set it up to where we have Rock and Metal Combat podcast merchandise. Wow. And... Uh, some Patreon shit because she, she wants us to get paid off this motherfucker. Oh, so but, she's a smart one. She can do a Patreon yeah. for us because Lord knows we couldn't do it. Yeah, so she's going to handle all that. There will be uh, some rock and metal podcast swag that you can buy and it's going to be, we're you know, make sure that it's quality stuff, not that stuff Scott Green was selling that you couldn't even read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I have that poster. 
it's so pixelated. It's fucking, oh. you can't even make it out. And by the way, I got a brilliant idea for the Patreon, Ian. We yes. make a Terrence and Andrew episode so they can join our Patreon. Because <laughs> you know they want to hear it. I, I will throw this out there one time. Or I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn in. Terrence says to me, he, he sent this to me. If, if, if Vogan and the RMCP army will cease and desist from putting negative comments up on my videos, I will pull the video down. And that's it. Well, dude, keep fucking with them. Oh, that's what I said. I said, fuck you, dude. Fuck you. We're going to keep them up. We want them up. We want this new Rock and Metal Combat podcast, you know, two-point retards up. We want it up. <laughs> that would be great Patreon episodes where we break that shit down. <laughs> we'll sell a lot of Patreons. <laughs> People hear us fucking break, do commentary to fucking Mushmouth. Hey, remember? <laughs> JK. <laughs> we're, we're, talk, we're talking about Calicon and no real episodes. <laughs> a dog roll. <laughs> but well, I for wanna, real, I this was thank great you guys. to have you guys all. <laughs> Ian and Ralph, awesome! So happy. I mean, I'm just the happiest person in the world to to be involved in this, and it's awesome. So I love you guys, man. I love you guys. So thank and, you, and, and and we love you too. And and again, I, I know. What do you mean Ralph, we? Uh, I know you feel the same way, man. I'm kidding. I love you, John. I love you guys. We love you. The outpouring that we've got from the listeners uh, about us, you know, getting back together and doing this again, it's very uh, humbling. I know, you know, Chris Sinzak, you know, God bless his Polish soul, has been saying this for years. You guys got to, you know, get back. You know, you got to, you know, you got to get your friendship back on track. And, you know, I, I'm excited to do that, and it's great. And I thought some people would be happy we're back, but I had no idea it would be the level that it is and the, the excitement that I see on, on Facebook and, you know, people who hadn't been on the page for a long time, even before we split up, that have come back and, and are just so fucking happy. And I'm happy to do it and very proud to be part of the greatest podcast ever. I think that goes without saying. I say it's on the level of the Guns N' Roses not on the Lifetime Tour. The hell is that? I don't. I don't know what the fuck you said. <laughs> I, I, I said. That. I said it, it, it's like on the level of the Guns N' Roses not in the Lifetime well, Tour. Well, I, I don't think so because me and Ian didn't do didn't get back for money. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it don't you know, matter. That's why that happens. They're gonna have some new material. Yeah, got a manager that's going to get us paid. <laughs> and by the way, with the reunion, you guys can't see me, but I am wearing a top hat. Yeah, you'll never get that money, but... Ian's got a bandana on. Still. Yeah. Terrence is the retarded Steven Adler. We won't let back in the band. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll let him come on to play a song. Oh, speaking of Steven Adler, can I give you a good Steven Adler story? Yes. Uh, M3 Festival, which I talked about earlier. It's in Maryland 
every metal band from the early 80s has played there other than like the you know prime prime bands that are still playing arenas and i'm sitting at the hotel lobby and Ab, this is three years ago adler comes down and within five minutes he has asked me and my buddies if we have any pot and three minutes later we're smoking a joint with him in the parking lot uh hour later he's asking my buddy if he can buy him a bottle from the hotel bar in the lobby um it was surreal i mean he was the nicest guy in the world he took pictures with us he was hanging with us whatever but i mean oh my god what a fucking train wreck um, I mean, he's everything you saw in those like VH1 shows and everything. I mean, just oh my god, sad. Good drummer, I liked him. How long ago was that? Three years ago, like three, four years ago. Yeah, didn't he say he was out of rehab before that? Oh yeah, I mean, dude, it was. It was I mean, literally within five minutes of talking to me, he got weed. It's like, yeah, I'm sure, we got weed. Just I, under. All right. A great guy. I mean, he was sweet as could be. Well, the, t- the time is coming. Uh, I'm going to try and go have sex with my wife. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, you I love you guys. I'm trying it later. <laughs> the time is coming for me to. I'm keeping that in. And fall asleep. <laughs> and there's no chance of me having sex with my wife now. I'm just going to be sleeping next to her. <laughs> I ain't lying. That's zero <laughs> shot. Zero. I, I think there's just a better chance of Molly yeah. Crew writing a good album than fucking Johnny Bogan getting a hard on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he never gets a hard on when he fucks herself. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this amazing reunion, reunification of the greatest podcast ever. And come back soon. Because we're here, baby. We're back. And, we're, and next we're week, rock and metal. Go well, ahead, no, no. I, I got to do something that you used to do. Yeah, tune in next week. We got Ava Goda, and we're going to be talking about Badlands uh, Dusk. <laughs> right here on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Terrence, do you think your show will bomb? Terrence, did a girl ever touch your dong? Terrence, do you think you'll ever grow some balls? Terrence, did you ever pay for rent? Terrence, did you mooch off the government?
parents does your daddy pay for your Amazon Prime? show is just a waste of time. Hush now Terrence, Terrence, don't you cry. Daddy's gonna pay everything for you. Daddy's asleep so go watch some cartoons. Daddy's wallet is there for you to cling. You try so hard, but you don't accomplish anything. Terrence, did you know that vaginas do get warm? Ooh, Terrence. Ooh, Terrence. Terrence, you're a miserable prick behind bedroom walls. some more Pink Floyd For me Father by cream for hemorrhoids For me Like any bands that never made the charts Buy some more David Gilmore for you. Daddy's gonna get groceries to make you some stew. You are dense, you are tart, dense, retard, done. A shut in dick biscuit that never has fun. You are a retarded version of Mr. Clean. Retardin. Oh, retardin. Retardin. You should have never started with me. Terrence, we all know you have no friends. <laughs>